I want to start this morning by asking you a couple questions. Uh, you don't need to raise your hand. You don't need to write it down. You can just think about it if you want. But number one is how many of you would say that you're good at praying? Number two, when you pray, do you know what to say? Number three, how many of you would say you want to be better at praying? And number four, how many of you would say that you would like more intimacy with God? That may sound weird, but how many of you would like to have more intimacy with God and grow your relationship with Him? I think every Christian would say that uh, praying is a, a good thing. Every Christian would say that praying is beneficial for a Christian. And yet, more and more people that I run into say that they don't know how to pray. When I asked if you would consider yourself good at praying, I saw some of the looks on your faces, and it told me that you're not very confident <laughs> in your prayer life. And I have to be honest, until a year ago, that was me. That may sound weird because I'm a pastor, but it's true. Uh, until a year ago, this is what my prayer life looked like. Lord, forgive me, give me, bless me, protect me. Lord, forgive me, give me, bless me, protect me. And i got to be honest, I didn't really feel that close to God. It was more of me just asking something for Him. Asking Him to do something for me. That was my relationship with God. Until... I read this amazing book by a pastor named Tim Keller. Uh, it was all about prayer. And as I'm reading it, I got to a point where he said, the whole world is starving for spiritual experiences. And I thought about that and I said, yeah, I would love to feel closer to God. I would love to, to be deeper in my relationship with God. I would love that. I would love that spiritual experience. And I kept reading, and then Keller said uh, that not only is the world starving for spiritual experiences, but he said, how would you like it if your prayer life, in your prayer life, you could come face to face with God? That you could pour out your heart to Him and know that He's listening? And I said, yeah, I would love that. And then he said, it's as if Jesus says, it's all here for you right now in the Lord's Prayer. And I said, what? In the Lord's Prayer? i got to be honest with you, Tim. I've said this prayer every Sunday for my entire life. I used to say this every night before I went to bed, and I've never experienced what you're saying when I say the Lord's Prayer. Thankfully, he went on to explain, and he said, it, it, it's kind of like this. With the Lord's Prayer, it's kind of like this. Imagine going over to your friend's house, and your friend lives right next to the train track. And you're sitting there having a conversation and all of a sudden a train goes roaring by. You jump up scared and you say, Whoa! What was that? And your friend said, What was what? And you say, It sounds like something was just about to come through the wall. And your friend says, Oh, you mean the train. I barely even notice it anymore. That's what the Lord's Prayer has become for a lot of Christians, me included. And when you think about it, how true is it? On Sunday morning, have you ever made it through the Lord's Prayer with actually thinking about everything that you're saying? 
without having your mind wander once. I think during the Lord's Prayer, it ends up being kind of like this. Our Father in heaven. Oh man, I really like the one with art in it. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed. What a weird word. But ha Halloween? Ooh, pumpkin spice lattes. Your kingdom come. Oh, it's the first NFL Sunday. Oh, note. Uh, check my fantasy league team after this to make sure that all of my players are playing today. Your will be done on earth. What? Oh, what do you have in your mouth? You bend down and you take whatever's out of your kid's mouth out of it. Amen. And the thing is, you didn't miss a single word while you were taking whatever was in your kid's mouth out of your kid's mouth. And it's here and gone. And we feel so proud because we didn't have to look at the screen. We didn't have to look in our worship folder. We could recite it. We could recite it and it just rolls right off the tongue. And yet, what I have found is that Keller is right. In this prayer, we not only have a pattern for prayer to grow deeper in our relationship with God, but we have everything that we need to pray about right in here. And so this sermon series, we, we want to do a couple things. Two goals. Number one, we want to understand what we're saying while we're praying this prayer. What are we actually saying? What does hallowed be thy name mean? We also want to, what we also want to do is to get ourselves a pattern that we can then take and implement into our prayer life so that we do grow in a deeper relationship with our Father in heaven. And so this morning we're in Matthew chapter 6 uh, and, and we're going to look at Jesus introducing the Lord's Prayer. Matthew is one of those books we call the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're biographies of Jesus. And in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, Jesus is preaching. It's called His Sermon on the Mount. And in chapter 6, He addresses prayer. So, Matthew chapter 6, here we go. And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in Heaven. We learn a couple things about prayer uh, right from the beginning here. Jesus says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Who's Jesus talking about? The Jewish religious leaders. The Jewish religious leaders, the people who lead the church in Jerusalem... Jesus is calling hypocrites because what they would do is they would stand up in the synagogue, they would raise their hands like this, and they would start praying out loud, Dear God, they'd be walking down the street. They'd get to a street corner with everyone around, and they'd stop, Dear God. Jesus says they're hypocrites. They're fakers. They're actors. They're wearing masks. They look like they're religious, but really, deep down, they're all in it for the praise of the people. And Jesus says, truly, they have received their reward in full. They're getting praise from people. They're not getting praise from God doing that. He says, but you, when you pray, what's he say to do? 
go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. In other words, get in a quiet place. Be intentional about praying. And that's your first point this morning. When, when it comes to prayer, be intentional. Be intentional. We can have impromptu prayers. We can pray on our way to work. We can pray right before a meal. We can pray going into a test, into a meeting. We can pray all the time. But Jesus says, when it comes to prayer, find that alone time with God. Schedule it. Find it. And we see Jesus doing this all the time in His life, right? How many times when you read the Gospels don't you get to a point where it says then, Jesus went off by Himself to pray? We have an example right after He feeds the 5,000. He feeds 5,000 people. He has people everywhere loving Him. They don't want to leave so much that they're willing to go hungry and Jesus feeds them. And then He dismisses them. And then He sends His disciples across the Sea of Galilee. But Jesus stays behind to pray to spend time with God in prayer. Jesus says, find that alone time, that quiet time with God. And so my question for you is, are you intentional about praying? Do you spend 5, 10, 15 minutes with God in prayer a day where you schedule it, where you block it out, you find that quiet time where you turn everything off, your phone, your computer, uh, you get away from the kids' noise, and you're able to just sit and pray with God. If not, then no wonder you don't feel like prayer works. Then no wonder you don't feel close to God if you're not finding quiet time to spend with Him. Jesus says, be intentional. Find that quiet time to pray. Alright, but what do I say? What do I say? What do I, what do I pray about? Well, First, let's start with what not to do. Jesus says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. So your second point is when it comes to prayer, talk with God. Talk with God. Don't babble. That word babble in the Greek uh, in English, when we hear the word babble, what do we think? We think of somebody that just keeps talking and talking and talking and not really talking about anything, just talking away. Uh, five minutes later, they're finally getting done. Uh, that's not what this word means. The, the word in the Greek means to stutter, to stammer, or use the same words again and again. Jesus says when it comes to praying, don't babble, but talk with God. Converse with Him. Think about what you're saying. When it comes to conversation, when you have a, a conversation with somebody, you have to think about what's being, what you're saying if you want the conversation to go well. Most of you know me pretty well, and you probably know that I'm a pretty big talker. My dad, not so much. Uh, our conversations on the phone last probably three, maybe five minutes long. Every once in a while, I'll be a little cruel and I'll try to keep him on the phone as long as possible. I'll just say, you know what, I'm going to see how long I can keep Dad on the phone this time. And uh, one time, it was approaching 10 minutes. And uh, around the 9-minute mark, I started knowing that Dad was responding with, okay, cool, oh yeah, wow, 
<laughs> and, and so finally, I, just, I, I asked him a yes or no question, and his, his response was, oh, that's cool. I said, Dad, it was a yes or no question. <laughs> he was on autopilot. How often in our prayer life aren't we just on autopilot with God? Especially when it comes to praying the Lord's Prayer. We just recite it and it's on autopilot. We're not thinking about our, or conversing with God. We're just on autopilot saying words. Jesus says when it comes to praying with God, don't babble, but talk. Converse with God. That's why I believe that the Lord's Prayer is actually a pattern for how we're supposed to pray, not the words to pray. On top of it, in Luke chapter 11, you can look this up at home, Luke chapter 11, Jesus records another instance when he says the Lord's Prayer at a different point in his ministry, and it's a different version. If you're upset with the version that we say here at uh, Divine Savior, Jesus is the one who actually changed the version first. <laughs> he records it in Matthew chapter 6, and then in chapter, Luke chapter 11, he says a completely different version. Same pattern, but different words. Because... Jesus says, when it comes to prayer, don't babble. Don't just recite words again and again. All right, pastor. We get it. Intentional about prayer. Talking with God. But what do we say? Let's get to the content. Well, when it comes to prayer, first, focus on who God is. Focus on who God is. Jesus says, Our Father in Heaven. First, focus on how God is Father. Think of all the names that God could have addressed Himself as. Think of all the names that He does call Himself in the Bible. He calls Himself the Lord God Almighty. He calls Himself the Judge. He calls Himself the Maker and Creator of all things. He calls himself the one who holds death in his hands. And yet when it comes to people, when it comes to his people, he says, call me Father. I am Father. Psalm 103 verse 12 says that as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. God says, I want to relate to my people as a father. And what's the heart of a father? It's compassionate. It's loving. It wants the heart of a father wants to guide and lead his children, wants to provide, wants to protect, wants to be there, wants to be present, wants to provide them with everything they need and even the things that they want. They want to help. They want to encourage. God says, This is my heart for my children. I, I want to be your father. This is the heart I have for you. God is father. Second, God is our father. How many of you like English? And, and not just speaking it, but I mean like language English. There's a few of you. So the, the few of you who like it, you know that our, O-U-R, is what? It's a possessive pronoun, right? It's a possessive pronoun. Whatever follows that pronoun belongs to that pronoun. And in this case, what belongs to us? The Father. 
Think about how incredible that is. Think about if God just said, I am Father. Then it would be like if we sat in our house looking out the front window and we looked across the street and there was the best, greatest dad that we've ever seen. His kids love him. He loves his kids. He gives his kids everything. And we sit there and we say, man, I wish I could have a dad like that. But when we look out the window, that hour changes everything. Because that dad's not across the street in that front yard. He's in our front yard because that dad is our dad. The God, the creator of the world, the maker of all things is our Father, are you kidding me? Think about what that does for your prayer life. Who goes into the throne room of a king, let alone the king of the world? Only his children, right? Only the children have the boldness and the confidence to walk into the throne room of the king and ask for something. Everyone else goes in trembling. The God of this world says, you can come into my throne room anytime because you are my child. I am your Father. How in the world did this happen? Pinch us, right? This is just too good to be true. The Bible says this happens with one word. Adoption. Adoption. Do you remember in our reading from Galatians chapter 4? What Paul said. That through Jesus, we have received adoption to sonship. Yes? Adoption to Sonship. Paul was very clear about his words. And I'm going to explain why. Do you know the adoption practices in the first century Roman world? Okay. Adoption practices. First century Roman world. Incredible. Uh, there was one thing that was the most important for a male Roman father. And that was to have a male Roman son to carry on your family name, to take over your estate, and if you held any position in the government, to keep your name going in the government, to keep your family at its place in the government. And so if a family didn't have a son, they would be in the business of adopting one. And they would look. And they would look. And they would look for the best, the brightest, the strongest to adopt. And then they would pay an enormous price to adopt somebody's son so that they had the heir that would carry on everything into the next generation. Sometimes, uh, families, even, a, uh, even if they had a son, they looked at their son and said, he's too weak, he's not going to be a good heir, we need to adopt somebody so that our heir is strong and the best of the best. This was adoption practices. When God looked at you and me, did he see the strong? No, he saw weak. When he looked at us, did he see someone who was whole? No, he saw someone who was broken. He didn't see somebody who even wanted to be his child. The Bible says that the sinful mind is hostile to God. And that's what we were. Our minds were hostile to God. We didn't want to be part of his family. We wanted nothing to do with God. And yet God looked and said, I want that one. I want that one not to just be a child, but to have the adoption to sonship, to be my heir, to carry on my family name into the next generation, to have my entire estate, and to rule with me in my kingdom. That's what God said about you. And he paid the enormous price to adopt you into his family, not gold or silver, 
but the holy precious blood of Christ. He gave up His one and only Son to forgive you all your sins, to bring you into His family, so that you now can say, God is your Father. And He says, you are my child. You are my son, as in that first heir who's going to carry everything in, uh, for him, his estate, his name, and rule with him. That's incredible. God is Father, God is our Father, and finally, God is our Father in heaven. Maybe up until this point you've been, you've been thinking, I don't really want to call God Father. Because my experience with dads is not good. My dad was a lousy dad. My dad ran out on, on us. My dad was a drunk. My dad did this, this, and this. I don't really like to think of God as Father. Maybe for you who even had good dads, maybe you're thinking, I love my dad, but my dad's failed me. And dad's here. You know that you have failed your children as well. Why? Three reasons. One, though you try your best, you can't know everything that they're thinking, everything that's on their heart. You can't know. Number two, even though you want to provide everything for them, sometimes you don't have the means to give them what they need and what they want. And number three, you can't be in two places at one time. They're going to be in places where you're not. And so we fail our children. This phrase right here is one of the most comforting in the address. Our Father in heaven. What is heaven? It's perfect, right? It's holy. Our God in heaven is perfect and holy. And that means three things. Number one, our Father who is in heaven knows everything about you. He's not limited in his knowledge. He knows what causes your heart anxiety. He knows the stress that you have. He knows the worries that you have. He knows the thing that's keeping you up at night. He knows that if he grants that prayer that you keep praying for, that it's actually going to bring you further away from him and not close to him. He knows what you need when you need it. He knows everything about you. Number two, this is the God of the world we're talking about. You get to call Father. This is a God who has the power to speak things into existence. You talk about having the means to give you what you need. Your Father in heaven has all power to give you exactly what you need when you need it. And then number three, our Father who is in heaven is everywhere. He's not limited by time or space. And so no matter where you go, no matter the conversation, He is with you. He is with you when you go into that test. He is with you when you go into that meeting and you know it's going to be confrontational. He's with you when you go on your date. He's with you when you go into the doctor's office. He's with you even through the valley of the shadow of death. Your father says, let me take you by the hand, my child. I will go with you. I will be with you through this entire thing. This is who we address when we come into prayer. This is what we get to do. And this is the point of addressing our Father in heaven. We get to stop for just a second and meditate on who we are approaching. We are approaching God who is 
our Father. We get to meditate on each of those words and understand who we are approaching in prayer. Martin Luther was a, a pastor in the 1500s. And he said that the reason the address is there is because otherwise we jump right into our, our desires and our wants. We'd say something like, Dear God, forgive me, give me, bless me, protect me. Oh no, this address we get to stop and we get to meditate before we even get into that and say, Who am I talking to? I am talking to God who has the heart of a father. I get to talk to God who is not just a father, but my father. And he is in heaven in everything that encompasses. And so begin that week. Begin your prayers this week doing just that. Meditating on who He is. Be intentional about your prayers. Converse with God and start by meditating on who it is you are approaching and you will grow deeper and closer to God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, what an unbelievable thing it is that we get to call you Father. Uh, we cannot thank you enough for the adoption into your family that uh, you gave up your one and only son to bring us into your family, forgive us all of our sins, that we now get to call you Father. The God of this world is our dad. Uh, what an amazing thing that is. Help us to never take that for granted. We thank you that you are in heaven and that you are perfect and holy in everything that you do. We thank you uh, that you are with us and that you have all power, that you are all present, and that you are all knowing so that no matter what we have going on in our life, you know exactly what we need. You are with us. You will never forsake us and you will be with us uh, wherever we go. Uh, we ask that we continue to grow in this relationship with you, that we grow deeper in your love and that uh, we continue to look to you, our Father, who has a heart of compassion and love. Be with us today and always. In your name we pray. Amen.